0: Are you going to bark all
1: day, little doggy? or are you going to bite?
0: And you will know my name is the law when I lay my vengeance upon me. Why the need for so much gruesome, graphic violence? Why not let us... Because us?
1: it's so
2: much fun,
1: Jan, Get it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Written and Directed by. My name is Lex.
2: My name is Bradley.
1: And we are here. We are at the last released, not the last Tarantino film, (laughs) but the last released film of Quentin Tarantino. This is concluding our season one. We are covering 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
2: Man, I can't believe we're already at the season finale. This is crazy.
1: (laughs) I know. It's really, really crazy. And, you know, I mean, I think we kind of talked about this in our initial, um, you know, season one announcement episode. But, like, we originally just conceived this as a Quentin Tarantino podcast, like, as a mini exploration into his films. And as we started doing it, we were like, well, we really like doing this. It's Mm -hmm. super fun why don't we explore other writers and directors as well? Yeah. So it's just fascinating to come to the conclusion of this first season, knowing that it's become a bigger thing than we originally anticipated, Mm -hmm. but also just like, I don't know, it's kind of sad at the same time to like leave this initial idea behind a bit. Yeah.
2: um, Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, this is uh, obviously with, Quentin, it was all, all rewatches for me and mostly rewatches for you. Right. Um, And uh, so, I mean, that's, that's the other big thing is I'm excited to get into other people's uh, work who I, you know, have only seen like maybe half of them or just haven't seen any of them. So, you know, whatever, whatever introduces me to new stuff, I'm like all there for it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's really an interesting thing that I'm excited for as well. And also being able to explore different genres, Mm. Or yeah, films that I necessarily wouldn't have sought out, you know?
2: Yes, exactly. That's, yeah. That's because we, you know, we we made a huge list of just potential seasons, mm-hmm. and there's some I was like, oh, man, like, that'd be really fun. And even if we don't do them, like, I'm going to dig into that on my own because I, you know, they just have stuff I want to yep. see.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there are certain directors, writer-directors, that I I've been meaning to watch that movie, but I just haven't gotten around to it or whatever, you know? So it's mm-hmm. just... Like, even though I love their other works, I just haven't completely explored their filmography. So, yeah, Um, I think our only rule going forward and we I know we address it in this season as well, but like we do have the rule of it's written and directed by them. So a lot of these filmmakers are going to write other movies or maybe they'll direct one that they didn't write or anything like that. We're not going to cover those. We're just going to cover ones that they have strictly written and directed by. Yeah, if
2: only because um, like as much as we would want to cover someone like Martin Scorsese, you know, that's right. That would be like a God, like a two and a half year season. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? He
1: has some (laughs) that could potentially be a season, though. Right. Like at this point, he's written like he wrote Killers of the Flower Moon, right?
2: Yeah, he co-wrote it. But yeah, Um, but yeah, he has. I think he has written at least a handful of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't really mind the co-writing part of it it's more of the directing um I feel like if we're gonna yeah. do um like and we're not doing it's not a spoiler for season two we'll tell you who we're doing for season two at the end of the episode but yeah, yeah yeah, um you know if we were doing like the Coen brothers it makes sense to do all of the films that they wrote and directed together because they are paired together they have done separate things that we could cover separately but you know the the big thing is the entire direction and story of the film is this person like mm-hmm. they they might have gotten treatments of the script they might have had a co-writer or someone helping them but like this is from conception to the end like this is their vision for yeah. a story exactly you know? exactly yeah uh, so yeah we have reached once upon a time in hollywood
2: yeah and this was uh oh man
1: um now this was my second time seeing it Oh, okay. I saw it once before. Um, I didn't see it in theaters. I just missed the boat on that one. I wish I had. But I this was my second time seeing it. I did like it the first time that I watched it.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because I didn't know what to expect, especially because like all the trailers and whatnot, you know, the, you know, it, it hardly ever lingers in one spot. So you're jumping around everywhere. So yeah, you're seeing a lot of stuff, but a huge chunk of this movie is just rick dalton's work day and yeah it's a
1: day in the life movie
2: yeah it is a day in the life movie uh, for a huge chunk of it and not that nothing goes on but it is you are literally just watching him work and i mean yeah there's you know yeah. funny little things in between and whatnot but um yeah that huge chunk is just you're just watching him work which is it's fascinating in its own way um and there's there's little things we can talk about about that um, but i mean there's a, the other smaller surrounding scenes i think are the more interesting ones um mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so, yeah um and there were other things i uh, it's uh, i'm trying to think of where to like actually talk about this but there's scenes that are maybe it's because you know we know obviously what happens uh, in real life but there's times where they're building quentin is building tension in certain mm-hmm. scenes only for it to just fizzle out and nothing comes of it. And I don't, and I don't necessarily know it has to be intentional. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's one of the best things about this movie Yeah, is that you expect a certain thing from, okay. Because it's like, he's, you know, Tarantino announces a film that he worked on. He, you know um, he worked on the script for five years writing it. um, And he experimented with it being a novel, a one act play. Um, and so you hear he's going to make a movie and it's going to have like the, the Tate murders involved. Mm -hmm. And that just hearing that you're like, "Ew, no, don't do this. Seriously. Don't do this. (sighs) Yeah. And I think he almost, I mean, not almost, I'm, I'm almost certain that he wanted you to feel that way. He wanted you to hear Quentin Tarantino is making a movie and it's going to have Sharon Tate in it. It's going to talk about you know, this particular subject matter and mm-hmm. for you to go, Ooh, fuck no. Yeah. And then he makes this film and you go, Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I think it's because, you know, obviously we know what happens in real life that we're waiting for those things to happen. And I, again, I should have, ex- I should have expected at this point that it, it, he's clearly doing another, uh, history revision thing, which I should have mm-hmm. assumed he was going to do. And we weren't going to get like a, uh, you know, a translation um, from real life to here. <laughs> Cause that's kind of not what he does. And I'm glad we didn't get that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that is in the title. Like it's once upon a time in Hollywood. It's he said, it's a, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Um, but revolving around movies mm-hmm. and his love for movies and like this era of filmmaking yeah, that the, he grew up with
2: the golden age, I believe. Right. Isn't like the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood's golden yeah. age
1: yeah it's the golden age
2: yeah
1: um i okay so i like you can't it's so it's so there's no way for me to not like start off saying this movie's so good
2: it really is it it really really is again even even though a huge chunk of it there's not quote unquote a whole lot going on because you're just watching rick dalton film this (laughs) episode of this of a show um but like i said the the that is still entertaining and fascinating in its own way and then the surrounding little bits are are mm-hmm. just as fascinating as well um
1: something about it just works really really well mhm
2: um and i believe he has said like they you know they uh he's been on whatever podcasts or or just different interviews and them saying like you know what this is before we, uh, it was announced he was mm-hmm. making the movie critic is that what it's called the, uh, the movie movie critic or the film some, critic
1: it's the critic or the movie or critic, the critic or something ad. like that okay. I don't know
2: um I I kind of hope that's a working title I get that it's what it's about it is about an actual movie critic mm-hmm. but for some reason I feel like it should have a a different title because I feel like his are all um somewhat whimsical in their own way they're not very they're not very straightforward <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean um but he was saying like he feels like this is his Ending like this is his way of ending his storytelling, and his next final film, his tenth film, will just will be will act as an epilogue of sorts. Um, yeah, which makes see that yeah. that
1: that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um. If this is the one that you go, this is the end of my career, and then the the other one is like a bonus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good way to go out. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah, I think so
2: too. Um. Yeah, we can go into a little bit of uh, production here. Um, yeah. yeah, like like you said, it took him. He developed it slowly over over several years, and um, like you said, it was he's trying to invoke the idea of a fairy tale. Um, he has publicly referred to the project as his magnum opus, which is um, it's so hard to think this be mm-hmm. his magnum opus. I, I I don't know if it's just because he is kind of um cuz i mean he's he, obviously he's shown his inspiration from so many other film genres um that i and i again i i want to say that kill bill feels like his magnum opus but i guess because it's all tying back to he's an american filmmaker so obviously he's got to go by um the golden age of hollywood and and you know show his inspirations from there
1: i i kind of think of the there's two different things there's the thing that like he considers his greatest work, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the thing that one day when, you know, as an uh, an artist passes, there's going to be a headline and the headline is going to say something filmmaker passes away, right? Yeah. So it's his will read. And I I don't think this is ever going to change. It's going to say Pulp Fiction filmmaker Quentin Tarantino passes away. That's, I think, going to be the movie that he will always be like, Instantly known for because it was part of the Zeitgeist, because it was Mm -hmm. such a big deal. Is it his best film, though? A lot of people would argue yes. Um, I would say it's definitely up there. Mm -hmm. But this movie has jumped much higher in the rankings with this rewatch for me. Like, I was surprised at, you know, when he says that, that he thinks this is his best work, this is like the epitome of it. Like, I I think I don't disagree with him. Mm -hmm. I feel like this shows his it's almost like it really shows his growth as a filmmaker and a storyteller to be able to make something this beautiful.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, knowing obviously we know how he's such a um, I don't know, avant garde would be the correct term, possibly. But like for his other movies, this is such a simple and subdued movie and it's like even though it's like you know obviously it's 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 r-rated and right and there's you know some questionable things it's actually a very uh sweet movie like underneath yeah. all the
1: kind of bad shit that is in here um i was on the verge of tears in the ending of this movie i was gonna say i never I, thought that quentin tarantino would be able to invoke that kind of emotion from me you know yeah
2: i was gonna say I, i'm definitely excited to talk about the ending because it it um the first couple times i watched it yeah the ending never really like hit me in that way like i did feel obviously satisfied and was happy but then uh this time i got like a very melancholy and like bittersweet thing mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah i'm yeah, I'm excited for us to talk about the ending. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the novelization yet. I have it. I considered it before getting here, and then I just, mm-hmm. I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't read, I haven't read it either. Um, but I heard it's really good, and obviously you get, and he said, it's funny, he said it's not even really a novelization, because, um, you know, most novelizations, they, the author reads a rough draft of, of a script, and then just <laughs> adapts it from that, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, since he's the one writing it, he's like, no, it's, it's it's telling the same story, but I'm telling it in a different way. Um, like not with, not just with um, uh, fleshed out uh, more descriptions and whatnot. He's like, he's like, I, I'm, i again, I'm telling it in a different way. It's not just, I'm not just moving it from script form to novel form. <laughs> mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. I, I've i been curious about it. I, de- I It's weird. Cause I haven't really been tempted to read it because I like the movie. Mm. Um, and now in this rewatch, I like it even more. So it's kind of, it kind of makes me go back and forth where I'm like, do I want to read it because I like the movie so much in this rewatch or do I not want to read it because I like the movie so much? I feel very like satisfied with the ending or the entirety of this movie.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, if it entices you anymore, the audiobook is read by Jennifer Jason Lee.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah, that is pretty cool. Now-
1: I did have one question for you, and I was curious if you knew about this.
2: Hmm.
1: Is there the extended cut that apparently was there was an extended cut that was released theatrically, apparently? Is that available anywhere
2: of this movie? Yeah, I don't. Not to my knowledge. I didn't think I didn't know there was a because I was reading
1: that there was um, it says on here an extended cut. Theatrically released in October of 2019. The film initially came out in July of 2019. Um, included an appearance by James Marsden as Burt Reynolds and a voiceover by Walton Goggins.
2: Whoa. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. Um, right.
1: So I was like, where? Like, where is that? Oh,
2: man, yeah, I did not know that. It's mm, the other thing that pisses me off about them, about him, though. He likes to do that. He likes to just um oh, I be like by the way i i have... what uh A four-hour cut of the film may be coming to Netflix. On January 3rd, 2020, Collider confirmed the statement in an interview of Quentin Tarantino revealing the extended cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would probably be available in approximately one year. That was in uh, January of 2020. In 2021, Tarantino said the extended cut would probably be released, quote, in a couple years. It will be around three hours and 20 minutes and be released theatrically. And that was in June of 2021. Yeah, On the Blu-ray. I have the Blu-ray.
1: Well, there's... Okay, there's... Um, deleted scenes on there but I guess like the actual cut I want to watch it
2: I know I did not know there was an extended cut that like that well then shit I'm Uh, on uh,
1: reddit right now
2: oh to see if anybody (laughs) has it or something yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. but anyway so yeah I was really curious about that I was was wondering if you knew about it but I guess
2: no No. I yeah Mm mm-mm um, so he discovered a centerpiece for the work about 10 years previously while filming Death Proof with Kurt Russell, uh, who had, uh, who had been working with the same stunt double John Casino for several years. Uh, even though there was only a small bit for Casino to do, Tarantino was asked uh, to use him and agreed. The relationship fascinated tarantino and inspired him to make a film about hollywood uh, mm-hmm. he later stated while casino may have been a perfect double for russell years earlier when he met him quote this was maybe the last or second to last thing they'd be doing together um thus the you know stunt man and the actor thing was born um and uh, oh, cool. uh he created actor rick dalton from whom booth would stunt double um tarantino decided to have them be sharon tate's next door neighbors in 1969 the first plot point was developed the first plot point that was developed was the ending uh moving backwards from there this being the first time tarantino had worked this way which i think this only takes place well the bulk of the movie i think takes place over just what just like two days and then we fast forward like yeah eight months or something like that six months um he thought of doing an elmore leonard type story but realized he was confident enough in his characters to let them drive the film and let it be a day in the life of booth dalton and tate Mm -hmm. um which I do want to s- just state up front. I do think uh, Margaret Robbie is severely underutilized in this movie. She's not in it very often. She's n- not in it a whole lot at all.
1: <laughs> right. I I think that's because she's supposed to be like angelic. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like I think that not having her be in it too much was purposeful and when she is there, she is supposed to be a like shining light in the film
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of yeah. to focus on Sharon Tate as a person and not the thing that happened to her, which is what real really to honor victims of violent crimes you should be doing is, is honoring yeah. the spirit of that person. And you know, I know that, um, uh, Sharon Tate's sister is still living and she was upset by the idea of the film being made. I was, I felt the same way. I wasn't even going to watch this movie. Mm. And then I read this article talking about how Sharon Tate's sister went and met Quentin Tarantino and like learned about what the content of the film was. And then most importantly, she went and met Margot Robbie and saw Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Like they invited her to set and everything. And she loved the portrayal so much that she gave them like Sharon's real jewelry and, and things to use because she trusted them so much. Oh with man, it. that's cool. Yeah. So I, I think that was the thing that sold me on watching this where I was like, Oh, okay. They're really respecting who this woman was and not, and you know, who she was as an actress, as a mother, as, you know, a wife and a person. So yeah, they don't, they don't do a lot with her, but what they what he does is very powerful and captures how wonderful she was. I feel like, like I said, like she feels very angelic in this movie. So as much as I wanted to see more of her, the trick of making you want to see more of her is kind of genius.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Cause yeah, she does make an impression anytime you see her. And yeah, I do think she's this very um, just angelic presence and and just, yeah, just such a, just it's, it's like she's she's definitely the happy place of the movie. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, she's captivating. And Margot Robbie was perfect casting.
2: Oh, for sure. Um, which I mean, if you're listening to this and somehow don't know the story, you can go look that up on your own because it is it's um, you need the rest of the day to uh, <laughs> to kind of relax and regather yourself after reading that whole thing, because uh, it's yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah,
1: it it's awful. <laughs> if i if you wanted to do more of a deep dive that is still um in my opinion respectful of the the real story um behind the the Manson murders, you know, the death of Sharon Tate and everything like that, um a great film podcast, You Must Remember This, did a long-form series on that. They do deep dives into old Hollywood stories. Oh, wow.
2: Oh. And
1: I believe it's like 12 episodes, and it goes into the detail of the um, the tragedy and the horrendous stuff, but is very um, respectful in its presentation of that story i think that's probably the only one that i would recommend honestly
2: Mm, okay i'm shit i might listen to that and i'm not i'm not one for like um for
1: uh true crime uh, porn true crime
2: nonfiction type things but i mean there but every i mean i do think it's also in the way it's presented too like i don't want it i don't want it to read like a very long like newspaper article you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like that's why apparently there's some really good um uh authors or writers the uh, to start with if you want to do um because they structure it you know they will structure things like um like a fiction novel even mm-hmm. though it's, it's all nonfiction. so yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah um so yeah I just, <laughs> this is kind of interesting uh tarantino kept the only copy of the third act of the script in a safe to prevent it from being prematurely released because mm-hmm. we all know what happened with uh, the hateful eight mm-hmm. um dicaprio robbie and pitt were the only other people who read the entire script in an interview with adam sandler uh pitt revealed the only other copy of the script was burned by tarantino
1: <laughs> i don't blame him one bit
2: yeah no after i yeah.
1: type that shit on a typewriter
2: <laughs> yeah no kidding uh yeah go yeah i mean yeah
1: that's
2: the way you have to do it's funny i think that's what um uh george r, r. martin has said about he he still writes like wolf well, he writes his books or whatever on um an old like windows computer that mm-hmm. has no internet connection mm-hmm. whatsoever
1: <laughs> yeah i was like
2: well there you go that's one way to prevent, prevent yeah shit from getting and if out
1: anyone here. can be your inspiration for productivity it's george rr oh R. martin
2: it has been like t- 12 13 years since the mm-hmm. last
1: Song of Ice and Fire book was written.
2: Yeah, no fuck. He's not. never finishing those fucking books. Ugh. I think
1: he's I think he's bullshitting everyone. I don't I think he's like waiting for death.
2: It's gonna be the ultimate Rick roll. He's just it's just gonna be like, guess what? I never even started. There's a <laughs> lot
1: of theories that he never planned on ending it, that he always just kind of wanted to sell and like sell this story in this world that he created, kind of thing, mm. so that he could cash in. To a degree, and that he never really planned on finishing it.
2: And there's got to be a there's going to be a clause in his will that nobody can continue yep. and finish the story for him. Like, yeah, his shit's <laughs> supposed
1: to be like burned at the end or whatever. And I'm like, why?
2: Uh, it's funny not that it's...
1: not that his vision is that great. If the notes that you know mm-hmm. he gave to those idiots were. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't I can't get into it I can't anyone who listens to Lex and Matt's excellent adventure knows that I cannot do this again
2: uh yeah yeah uh all right so um on July 11th 2017 it was announced that his next film would be about the man's and murders uh a certain producing brother duo brother producing duo um mm-hmm. that said they would be involved but it was not known whether their company would distribute the film as Tarantino sought to cast before sending a package to studios um tarantino approached brad pitt to star it was reported that margot robbie was considered for sharon tate it was also reported that pitt was in talks for the detective investigating the murders which that's gotta be that's obviously the extended or was just left out Um, i think that
1: was a red herring to
2: ah, that makes sense yeah that makes sense
1: i think i think tarantino i mean if he's smart was releasing false stuff about it oh for sure and i would do the same he should do it for his next film too (laughs) yeah no kidding
2: um after the uh after the producers had some sexual abuse allegations come out about them um tarantino cut ties with the company altogether and sought a new distributor after having worked with the previous one for his entire career Mm -hmm. um at this point leonardo dicaprio was revealed to be among the short list of actors tarantino was considering a short time later uh reports circulated to the studios were in a bidding war for the film and that david Heyman had joined on as producer along with tarantino and sharon mcintosh uh in november of 2017 he announced the f- uh, he would distribute the f- uh, sony announced they would distribute the film beating out warner brothers universal paramount anna pierna and lionsgate uh, his
1: deal was insane
2: yeah they sony was the only one that approved his 95 million dollar budget Fi- uh, Final Cut Privilege, which, as I said in the previous episode, is where the version you see on screen is the director's version. They are not a, by contract studio producers. Nobody is allowed to alter that, which, mm-hmm. uh, which again, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um. Quote-unquote, extraordinary creative controls. Mm-hmm. 25% of first-dollar gross, which first-dollar gross that's, is...
1: That's the part that got me.
2: Yeah, that is, that's not back-end. Uh-huh. That is, it made... You know, it makes a hundred million dollars opening weekend. He gets twenty five million of that immediately. Like mm-hmm. that is that is crazy. I mean, it didn't yeah. make that much, but still. Um, and the stipulation that the rights revert to him after ten to twenty years—that is
1: crazy. Those, so I can I can see giving the other things, giving him a budget of ninety five million dollars. He's gonna have big stars and he needs it. It's a it's a period piece. He's gonna need the money. I that makes sense to me. Final cut privilege because he's Quentin Tarantino makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I understand Mm -hmm. the studio being like giving that. I am baffled that they gave him 25% of gross, 25% of gross and the rights back in 10 to 20 years. Those are those are fucking wild requests, (laughs) let alone approved requests. Yeah. (laughs) And Uh, with the caveat that he has said he will, he will only make one more movie. It's not like they bought him for a like, you know, long-term career. Yeah. he's fucking like he's, he's acting like his career will be coming to a close soon.
2: I'm, I'm wondering also if, if, um, he somewhere in like maybe a verbal agreement or something said he will also give them, maybe give them first dibs on the 10th movie. Um, when that rolls around, I, if, if they didn't I already buy it he, from him.
1: Yeah, I think that must have been a stipulation because why else would they sign this deal other than going uh, that and his catalog? They get first rights for, say, streaming distribution for his like to be able to buy those from his catalog or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I you know, if he gets those back from the bad company you know yeah I, oh man yeah well I, I don't know but i feel like there was there had to be something more that they got i mean other than the fact that they have a very prestigious filmmaker you know involved. i
2: th- I, th- I think that was their biggest thing was like hey we are going to be the first studio to release a right. Quentin Entertainment movie that you know was not the previous company yeah like-
1: <laughs> and they wanted oscars too so i oh, mean sure. that's that's part of this investment is they're like we want some awards this is and- prime for
2: that yeah and this was nominated for 10 academy awards and it won two i mean Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
2: um so i do like this though um
1: and by the way i don't think any of those things were bad i think it's good i think we should be investing more into filmmakers it disturbs me that people act like you know killers of the flower moon being another example and another dicaprio film needs to make x amount of money otherwise it's a waste maybe we just in like studios, just invest more money into great films and great filmmaking and don't really worry about making 20 more superhero movies this year.
2: Yeah. Quit, you know, quit, um, worrying about getting, getting, uh, your investment and immediately, you know, um, yeah, except build that prestige. Like, come on, (laughs) I, I get, I get prestige. Doesn't necessarily pay well, immediately, but again, like, that's why you are a umbrella company. You've got your hands on right. so and, many things. Like, And on.
1: amazing studios like A24 are doing that. They're putting all of their money into the films, and you can see it with the films that they are putting out, but they're not winning as many awards because they don't have the budget to go for those, which is crazy, or, you know, I don't know, It's it's just wild to me.
2: Yeah, that that is the biggest thing with them is they they uh, although they did say recent A24 did say recently that they are um they are planning to expand to do bigger budget movies as well as franchise films. So that's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they do that because, you know, obviously I, they've yeah. got their independent um strategy working out really well for them. So
1: I know a lot of people might hate the sound of that but I feel like that's a natural progression to make sure that you can keep making films exactly. like the iron claw, you know?
2: Exactly. Um, like I found out, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I think you say it, Leica studios, Leica studios that does, that did. is
1: um, a camera company. Well, yeah, but
2: pronounced. yeah. Uh, I think, I think you, I think you say it like, I'm not sure is okay, the, yeah. is the, uh, film company that did, um, Paranorman, Coraline, mm-hmm. um, so that company is owned by uh or is um the ceo of it is uh travis knight who is Uh the son of phil knight who owns nike therefore nike owns uh Leica. Leica. Um, oh weird um and sadly none of their movies have turned a profit which is mm. so sad because their movies are amazing. They've only had like five or six under the belt, but they've all um, just have not done well, which is so sad because anytime you see any of the like behind the scenes work, there is so much love and creativity that goes into their movies. Like yeah. Paranorman is like one of my favorite movies. I love Paranorman
1: so much. Um a good studio should make movies that turn a profit and like keep the thing going. I -hmm. think the mistake that a lot of these studios are making now is they only see the bottom line and the return of profit. And so they keep investing in stupid shit and they're not for lack of a better term, diversifying your profile. They're not making, you should be making, um, you know, both back to the future and when Harry met Sally. Like you should be <laughs> yeah. making you like Sony made um, into the spider verse and once upon a time in Hollywood, both mm-hmm. of those movies should be made to get like, like they should be congruent. Like that, like that is how I think a good studio is run.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, the uh, article I was reading said that, you know, like while the like a movies may not be profitable as long as, the parent company Nike is profitable. Mm-hmm. Like will, Lego will continue to make movies. Yeah. Um, which apparently I was wondering. I was like, man, it's been a while since their last one. It was like 2016 or something like mm-hmm. that. It's, it says they are finishing up their next animated movie, and they're gonna at some point they're gonna start working on their first live action movie. So I'm oh, that's fun. Excited to see what they do with that. Yeah. Um. Okay. try to move it along a little faster here. Yeah. Uh. Um. So DiCaprio and Pitt. Um both signed on in February of 2018 and both took a pay cut. Each were paid only $10 million only quote unquote. Um,
1: oh, I'm sure they get paid way more. Per <laughs> oh,
2: I'm sure they, they get, they probably get back end. Maybe I'm not sure. Oh
1: yeah. They had to like to take a pay cut. They, I'm yeah. sure they did average pay. Keep going. I'm just looking up <laughs> average pay for them.
2: Uh, I would assume 20, if not 20 to 25. At uh, least. Yeah
1: uh dicaprio regularly gets 20 to 30. fuck let's look up yet and he's got to be the same uh he earns at least 25 million a year that doesn't say what he makes per film but that's hmm. um he wow he was paid 17 million for fight club
2: jesus christ and that was what late 90s like 98 mm-hmm. god damn
1: that was also his peak
2: so true yeah um Okay, and so I mean, and then I mean, there's more casting. I'm just gonna rattle off. Uh, I'm just gonna rattle off a lot of the actors mm-hmm. in this movie because it's it's actually filled with people. So
1: right, we're not gonna be able to get to every character and everything in this movie.
2: So. Yeah, like we don't. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll come across some, but we don't need mm-hmm. to go into extensive detail. But some. So uh, here's a good chunk of the actors in this movie. Uh, well, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emil Hirsch. Margaret Qualley, who is the daughter of um, uh, Andy McDowell, Um, Timothy Oliphant. Austin Butler, who I did not know who I didn't know who he was at the time, so Mm -hmm. when I went back and watched this, I I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Um, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, uh, Luke Perry, sadly in his final role, Mm -hmm. Um, Al Pacino, which my God, he's hilarious for like the what one scene he's in this, Uh, something like I think he's only in like one. Mm-hmm. scene the opening scene um and then like some good up-and-coming actors that uh you know you would go on to see later like um mikey madison she would go on to be in the scream 2022 version mm-hmm. you have maya hawk obviously genius um, obviously uh uh ethan hawk and um with thurman's daughter mm-hmm. uh victoria pedretti from you and haunting of hill house uh Love sydney her. sydney sweeney like um, yeah. uh daniel harris harley quinn smith rumor willis uh rebecca Gayhart, uh kurt russell zoe bell michael madsen like my god
1: <laughs> yeah a, a truly stacked cat and i love i also really love that he has a lot of hollywood legacy kids yes in this because yeah. it ties back to like this movie is about hollywood
2: mm-hmm. oh i yeah. thought that was cool yeah yeah um so yeah we can um kind of uh like i said uh, there's a huge chunk of this that does just take place we're just watching uh leonardo dicaprio's character rick dalton just film an episode of his tv show he's on but (laughs) yeah oh my god it's such a that's such a good little part um so yeah um we We can uh, dive
1: into the character like we can dive into the the core trio i guess first right
2: yeah because we we open and rick dalton played by leonardo dicaprio is obviously he's kind of the a, a fading movie star he's kind yeah. of getting to his last uh, his last legs as a movie star so he's you know kind of making his way into tv which apparently that was a thing back then was um uh, these big Hollywood stars at the time when that would start to happen, they would go on these shows and do, and like play the villain. Cause it kind of mm-hmm. gives them a little bit of, a little bit of notoriety, I guess for the time
1: it does, um, but it's, it was considered until, I mean, honestly, like the early two thousands, if I'm not mistaken, like it was considered a, Oh, you know what? I remember now it was considered like a, a big step down. And one of the shows that really changed that was actually in the nineties. It was the West wing. The West wing was one of the first, prestige type shows that it was not considered like a step backwards to go on that show because it became such a massive hit and it kind of changed the way people view television
2: oh i mean already you've got martin Sheen starring in the lead role like come on that's that's... well that's
1: what rob lowe talked about in his memoir which by the way rob lowe has some fascinating stories in his memoirs Um, but he talked about how Everyone was kind of, at the time was kind of like, don't do this. This is, this is going to tank your career. This is going to like, you will only be a TV actor. Cause back in the day, it was like, you do one or the other, you can start in TV, but then you get into films and you never go back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or you're just a TV person. You're never going to be in movies because that's what people know you as. And he was like, this script was, is so compelling that I can't not do this. I don't care. He, he was like, I'm following the story. I don't care. And it ended up reviving his entire career and changing the way that people view actors going back and forth in television. It kind of was one of the shows, along with like things like The and stuff, that kicked off that prestige television era.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, nowadays, TV is, is just as prestige as movies, or at least can yeah. be, you know. Um. And
1: yet there are still some actors like Leonardo DiCaprio that you know who's playing rick dalton who doesn't do tv it's kind of like an old school thing like i i don't i'm not never say never kind of thing but i don't really see leonardo dicaprio ever going back to television
2: yeah i think i don't want to say i think he thinks it's below him or anything i just Mm -hmm. don't think he feels i just think he feels his time could be better spent doing movies at least at this point in his life right um not to say you know who knows maybe when he's um 60 or 65 which is only 10 15 years away that is crazy um yeah stop uh, fucking
1: children <laughs> dude uh
2: that you know he's he might he might just want to be like hey you know i heard this really prestigious director is you know looking for someone to do six episodes and it's just right down the street from where i live in LA like you know why yeah. not you know what i mean um as long as they give him his 20 million dollars i'm sure he's not going to care uh, by that point he's not going to be getting that much anymore right.
1: <laughs> no i think he will i think he's i think he's very much going to always have a very big career and and be like in demand and getting that money for the rest of his life
2: yeah yeah i think
1: i think he's like he's considered like it, i mean who else is on par with him for an actor of his his age bracket he's 50 and-
2: yeah and and god he's got to be consistently doing a movie a year mm-hmm. at the very least. Uh, yeah,
1: he's always working. He's for years everyone was pissed that he didn't have an Oscar. That went on for a really really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, he is he he's the opposite of Rick Dalton's career. <laughs> like <laughs> he he has just gotten, you know, more and more prestige as he's gotten older.
2: Yeah, and and we've Discussed that uh, The Revenant was the wrong choice for his first uh, Academy Award.
1: Much like a lot of the Academy Awards, it's a retroactive win. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I get that. Lots of lots of um, Oscars go to someone who maybe should have won for X role or whatever. But because of circumstance or how captivated people were, you know, he should have won for the Aviator. But I'm not going to argue that Jamie Foxx also shouldn't have won, you know, for his performance in Ray in 2004. Mm, So, and that's who he lost to that year. Um, So it's like, yeah, he wins for the Revenant. Like, you know, he wins a different year, but really it's about, it's the same with, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis winning for everything, everywhere. Jamie Lee Curtis should have won for true lies or a fish called Wanda, but she didn't. So we give her a retroactive award.
2: Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a big, kind of controversial thing recently which you know whatever i yeah. i get it but also like yeah. the, the, the other people have plenty of time left in their career no.
1: <laughs> does, brad, does brad pitt have an oscar
2: uh he got his first one for this movie
1: <laughs> wait he won for this movie
2: he won for this movie yeah
1: oh okay. yeah. wait this two was... academy awards i forgot about that
2: yeah the other one was um uh production design which that's where most of this budget went, I feel. So that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> good, crazy. Good, I forgot about for that. Them. Yeah, I I was not. Uh, I wasn't wasn't expecting that. Uh, I, I get Brad Pitt has kind of become a, also a controversial person as of the past couple of years. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he seems like an asshole. Brilliant actor. Great character actor. Not a good person.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of the sadly it's the majority of mm-hmm. people in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, we were introduced to both Rick Dalton and his stuntman Cliff Booth uh in the opening who you can tell just like not only are they car workers they they are clearly they're clearly friends um but I think I think uh they do still like they they, they still seem like employer and employee um uh, more often than not but they but again, you know, they hang out with each other all the time, that it's just, uh, you know, how can you not be friends, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they're friends, but every once in a while, you like, it's almost like Rick is reminding Cliff that he's employed by him. You know, like that—that that he's his employer, and it's kind of, it's I don't know, it's a weird dynamic at times. Yeah. And then whenever that happens, Cliff kind of pushes back and doesn't like it.
2: Yeah, I do like that because I like um, the, well, the opening when when Cliff drops off Rick at at home and and uh. uh
1: because so, Rick can't drive because he's an alcoholic who's been, had his yeah. license suspended.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and, um Rick is steps inside and Cliff is like, Hey, get my sunglasses back. And he just, and Rick is like, come get them then fucker. And he, mm-hmm. and Cliff kind of takes a step forward. and He just goes, all right, all right, Jesus here. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like um, Rick is definitely, uh, um, and for lack of a better phrase he is kind of it seems like he is kind of a wuss like more or less like he's oh not, yeah 100%. he's not very assertive at all <laughs> he's the face yeah yeah which uh, is funny this movie's really really funny it is really funny again yeah this is i feel like his quentin's only full-fledged comedy again his he's got comedy elements sprinkled throughout all of his movies and that's but I feel like that's almost Gallo's humor because it's funny in these such dark situations whereas this is just a straight up dramedy. Uh, Rick
1: yeah. is the comedic character yeah. in this movie <laughs> and that's fascinating because I wouldn't have thought about DiCaprio being like the comedic actor within this if you were to tell me first of all that it would be a comedy like like with the idea of like Tarantino is going to make this (laughs) this film about the Manson murders and it's actually not going to be disrespectful and it's going to be a comedy and it's going to be very wonderful and um, kind film and interesting. I I would have been like, you're full of shit. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. But he's so funny in this. Like he's, especially in these moments of like intense tension he's just then he's doing a fucking crazy thing like it's great mm-hmm.
2: yeah um yeah so uh yeah rick is um I said rick is kind of coming to the end of his uh his hollywood golden days and his um his most recent roles are being on as a guest appearance on uh tv as the villains um <laughs> there's the opening scene with him and his uh is it his agent or is it, or is it just an agent i can't remember it's it's al pacino's um marvin schwartz uh he advises him to make spaghetti westerns in italy yeah. uh which rick considers uh, that to be beneath him yeah um i really love when they're kind of doing they're showing the like rundown of the movies he was in, and, and there's the one where he's lighting the Nazis on fire with the mm-hmm. the flamethrower. Uh, yeah, the flamethrower. I think it's called the dragon. I think that's what he calls it. Um, I really like. It's such a good. I think it was the first genuine laugh out loud moment mm-hmm. where I knew this was going to be more lighthearted than anything else was. Yeah. He tells uh, Rick tells Marvin like, oh yeah, you know, I spent uh, two weeks training with that thing, and it shows him. Uh, practicing with it, and then he looks back at somebody, and she goes, "Hey, this is kind of hot. Can we turn it down?" And the guy just goes, "Rick, it's a flamethrower."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's real. That was that was Leonardo DiCaprio's actual line. Like he he broke character. Oh, really? he thought it was hilarious and kept it in. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "This is oh. kind of hot," or whatever, and he was like, "Yeah, it is," and he kept it in.
2: It's so good just because he's all into it and then just stops. Oh, hold on, shit, guys, this thing's kind of hot. Can we turn it down? And that guy yeah. just goes, "Rick." It's a flamethrower.
1: You just yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> apparently so that was good. real.
2: Oh my god. Um uh and so yeah, uh we also find out that Cliff is a uh World War II veteran, uh who oh my god, who lives in his trailer with his uh pit bull Brandy, who is just the best. My god. I love Brand, that dog. Brand, Brandy is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um my god, like who whoever whoever trained that dog did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. and she deserves all the all the treats in the world that is for sure yeah um so yeah uh cliff is struggling to find stunt work uh amid the (laughs) rumors that he has uh murdered his wife which apparently they go into more detail on in the book obviously i think i think you get a definitive answer in that but i'm not entirely sure
1: it's supposed Uh, to be based on like natalie wood right
2: in that that would make sense. So he Do, definitely
1: killed his wife then. Yeah,
2: that's, that's... If it's
1: based on Natalie Wood.
2: Yeah, that is also a whole weird rabbit hole to go down. Because all I remember is it's Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken, and mm-hmm. I think there might have been somebody else other than Natalie Wood, but I can't remember. Robert
1: Wagner, 100% <sighs> killed Natalie yeah. Wood.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, long story short, they she all hated went the water. out... Yeah, they all went out on a boat ride. She hated the water, and they came back without her. That's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is it
1: <laughs> yeah nothing about it made sense it was God. he got away with it because he was a rich and powerful dude
2: yeah um and so meanwhile um he hopes to uh, rick decide uh, hopes to revive his uh, failing career um by befriending uh sharon tate and her husband roman polanski who have just moved in next door um, I think they did the right thing and said, Roman's out of the country filming a movie and he's never mentioned again. Like, I feel like that was a good route to go down because that's a whole yeah. other again, a whole nother problematic can of worms. Yeah,
1: <laughs> apparently Quentin, like, showed, like, he didn't want to upset Roman Polanski and he, like, showed him this, I'm like, I, Roman Polanski's not good enough to be jumping through fucking hoops and excusing his bullshit <sighs> behavior, his criminal behavior.
0: Yeah. I, I don't
1: understand the like worshiping of Roman Polanski when he is listen i'm not saying it's acceptable when they're a great filmmaker um you know like when it's like the greatest filmmaker in the world and like it allow like you like that's not a free pass either but i'm just saying like really like yeah rosemary's baby's good fucking what why are we <laughs> giving this man a perpetual free pass oh because his wife died well the tragedy is that this innocent woman was killed. I don't give a fuck about him.
2: Yeah. When yeah. he
1: acts the way that he does after she's killed.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like he he has he has no morality or character.
2: Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm just glad they kind of just dismiss yeah. him almost immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am too, because he also distracts from Sharon. And that's true in real life as well. Like he is a he is a distraction from the loss of this you know beautiful and talented young woman who who whose life ended i mean in the context of the movie no but like in real life who whose life ended too soon
0: Hmm.
2: yeah for sure uh um so that's kind of that's kind of just our introduction to them because that's like the first day really um or no is that yeah that is the first day because yeah. um because the next day uh Cliff is dropping off Rick to go uh film for is this when he's filming for Bounty Law? I think yeah. this is no, yeah, filming for Bounty Law. Um and uh yeah, this is when he's walking away and Cliff does the hey, you're Rick fucking Dalton, which mm-hmm. apparently
1: uh it's like a mantra.
2: Yeah, but also I I guess Brad Pitt said his old roommate would do that to him. Um he said this was like even before oh, that's he cute. was he said he would do it even before like he was Somebody like you know he was going for auditions yeah. and filming stuff, but his roommate would be like, "Hey, you're Brad fucking Pitt." <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's
1: cool. I love that. <laughs>
2: um, and so he <laughs> this part this section of the movie is it's so great because so so Rick asked him like, "Oh hey, you know the the wind blew down my TV antenna. Would you mind you know fixing that um later on?" And you know Cliff says, "You know, sure thing." And so and so we show Cliff going back to the house and he gets up on the roof and is fixing the antenna. And then all of a sudden we do this little cutaway for what, like 15 minutes, um, showing, uh, you know, Rick trying to get Cliff work on, uh, whatever show he was on that week. And, uh, Kurt Russell is the, uh, uh, Kurt Russell shows up and what is, what is he? He's the, um,
1: is he, is he the EP?
2: I think so. I don't think he's got to be a producer or something. Yeah,
1: I think he's the executive, like the showrunner.
2: Yeah, and um, yeah, Cliff uh, Rick is trying to convince him to let Cliff be there. He's like, you know, at the very least, just just put him in a costume. Um, so if you need him, he's there, and if you you know if you don't need him, whatever, you know, no harm, no foul. And so, uh, Kurt Russell's very apprehensive because uh, not only does he not like him because of his reputation, his wife doesn't like him, and he works with his wife, so. you know it does not want that smoke <laughs> yeah that's um, really interesting and so i mean yeah they eventually he eventually says uh, I, I like when kurt russell's leaving the uh, uh rick's trailer and and cliff is sitting in the uh what do you call it the little golf cart and mm-hmm. and uh kurt Russell comes out and just goes all right you horse's ass let's mm-hmm. get you into costume <laughs> mm-hmm. and and um and then we actually get into a very controversial part of the movie, which is um, this scene with uh, Mike Moe as Bruce Lee, who I will say, holy shit, looks just like him with that wig and the sunglasses on. Goddamn.
1: <laughs> he seemed like he really did a good job, too. I don't know if they're going to, like, make a Bruce Lee movie, but.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't we haven't we haven't had one since um Dragon, which was like 94. I think, the,
1: I think the family is very protective of his legacy as I, they should be you know
2: yeah i would think so um it's been a long time since i've watched dragon i mean they told that story really well um
1: i haven't seen that one honestly yeah
2: it, it's pretty good it's like i said it's pretty it's been a long time but it's it's pretty good i think it's called dragon the bruce lee story hmm. um yeah and so his performance isn't what was uh the controversial part because he does a good job um, it is uh, the handling of his character, which they make him out to be a very, Bruce Lee was very confident, but according to his family, he was not arrogant. And this is is very arrogant, Bruce Lee. uh, He does feel
1: like a caricature.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the point is, again, this isn't supposed to be a factual retelling Mm -hmm. or anything, but also you kind of have to show respect to these people who weren't that way in real life like you know you kind of change changing their personality is kind of not cool so i get it i i understand um but also you got to take it as fiction we we all know it's not real so i I don't know maybe it's because i'm not in that situation i don't know how uh, how to feel um yeah and and
1: it's another person who died very young and like and has a huge impact um and and you have to treat that with respect
2: how old was bruce lee he Um, was 32 32 holy shit yeah wow um again another rabbit hole you can go down some people claim it was a conspiracy he was killed other people i mean i think his actual cause of death was a medical issue but um yeah that's all another rabbit hole again right um because this bruce lee is saying he could you know he could put um in the hospital and whatnot whereas um I think uh, his daughter Sharon Lee has said, my dad would never say something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, she was like, he had the utmost respect for him and never in his life would he have said he could beat Muhammad Ali. So I was like, well, okay, well uh, again, they were like, he was confident, but not arrogant. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, of course, um, of course, Cliff has to kind of, kind of egg him on and they eventually have to have like a little sparring match that does not, <laughs> that does not uh go well. Um they uh um in the middle of it all, Rick throws Bruce into someone's car and fucks it all up, who we find out whose car it is in a minute. Um so in the middle of them struggling out comes uh Zoe Bell, who is supposed to be Kurt Russell's wife. And oh my god, there's everyone's back and forth here is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, did you notice the whole from the time this scene starts up until uh Up until Bruce gets thrown into the car, it's all one shot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was was, cool. That was really, must have been really hard to do,
2: especially because it. Well, Mike Moe had a lot of lines in the stunts, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The stunts are the biggest thing, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, out comes Zoe Bell, and she's, you know, It's just like how he's like, oh, you know, I was over here. I'm just over here kicking Bruce's ass. And he goes, hey, just for the record, nobody kicked Bruce's ass. Right. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, I think that car door might say something different. And, of course, Zoe Bell goes, what the fuck did you do to my car? And Kurt Russell shows up and goes, what the fuck did you do to her car? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they get all, They you know, she gets pissed, tells him to get his shit and get lost, which, of course, Kurt Russell has to reiterate again. And then <laughs> at the end of that, we cut back to... Cliff standing on the roof. and he's just like, yeah, okay. Like
1: <laughs> I guess it's just a way of trying to illustrate how tough Cliff actually is and give him a little bit more of a backstory. But it does it, it, I mean, when you think about it, it is kind of out of place, but like it's it's so like interesting and fun that I don't super care. I care that the family of Bruce Lee cares, obviously. like, you know, um, that sucks that they did not like the portrayal and were upset by the portrayal. Um, but it's yeah. still very enjoyable. And like in a, it, I've complained so many times, so many times throughout this season about how Quentin needs to cut his films down. I don't feel the length of this one.
2: No, and and for those wondering, this movie is two hours and forty one minutes. Yeah.
1: Um, Long run time.
2: It's pretty long and, and, um, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't say you feel the runtime, but I, I do feel like there's a certain point where you are kind of like, at least for me anyway, I was like, man, what is, well, I was gonna say, what is the end game here? I was like, I'm assuming we're gonna end with that night with, you know, uh, Sharon Tate and whatnot um but i was like man how are we gonna get there though and then especially when we get to later on where it was like oh fast forward six months and i was like holy shit now what are we doing like that was kind of yeah which that once we get to that part there's still 45 minutes left in the movie Mm -hmm. um which to me is the best stretch of the entire movie oh yeah i agree (laughs) completely Uh, yeah um and so so yeah um also somebody so that we you know again in between all of this we see we see Sharon at her house, um, talking to all of her friends. Uh they go to like a Hollywood party. There's Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's just all like schmoozing and Hollywood stuff. Um not that it's not interesting. I just don't think it's worth diving into right here. Um but I do think it's funny that we cut to the next morning, and uh, we're focusing on Sharon sleeping, and clearly she was you know, she's passed out from drinking mm-hmm. the night before. I thought it was funny that it wasn't this glamorous shot; it's Mm-mm. her on the couch with her mouth open and she's just drooling.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, plenty of feet shots. We do oh have plenty God. of feet shots. I didn't keep track. I, I've <laughs> forgotten to keep track of the numbers. I feel like the only non-foot movie that we have had so far has been the Hateful Eight.
2: Yeah, there. Yeah, there's. Mm, None in that one.
1: You know why? Because there's only one woman in it. <laughs> that makes
2: sense, and she gets and her she's foot bundled shot up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is funny too, because if you ask Margot Robbie, she's totally happy that the internet loves her feet, which is weird. <laughs> she's totally happy with it. She was like, "Hey, you know,
1: like, she's a giver. And
2: yeah, I love that. She's like, you know, she's just like, hey, if that's what people choose
1: to admire, then Margot Robbie you know, hey. <laughs> is so smart. The way that she has like taken control of her career and the the films that she's producing right now. I mean she produced two of the biggest films of last year you know just um Saltburn was one and, Barbie. Was... She's, oh, and Barbie she's she's I mean. a big part of um that as well with Barbie not just the star uh, Okay that makes sense yeah. um,
2: I mean I know Saltburn didn't do like amazingly well box office wise but a uh,
1: cultural phenomenon
2: Oh yeah for sure yeah. obviously I'm so yeah. glad I saw that in the theater before that whole thing
1: Yeah <laughs>
2: yeah um which yeah, I would. I mean, I would love to co- cover uh, Emerald, Emerald Fennel soon, but channel, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, she's only got two movies, so that'd be a very quick season. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that'd but, be yeah. interesting. Um, so yeah, that next morning up, she wakes up. Um, a man shows up and is looking for Roman. Um, or, I'm sorry, he's looking for uh, music. The music producer Terry Milcher, and we find out this person is Charles Manson. Yeah. Um, and um sharon's friend uh jay played by Emil Hirsch, kind of turns him away and says like no they're not here or uh he doesn't live here anymore um and so yeah i think i think that's why it's because we get that set up with him and there's that really ominous shot of him kind of of manson like looking back mm-hmm. at them and just giving that this creepy look so i think that is the see this know, of like ah shit we're gonna get into some really bad stuff later
1: he wanted charlie day to play manson Charlie I, Day I, said no because he didn't want to be associated with it which respect. I mean I,
2: I mean I get it but uh, I like Charlie Day and all I don't think he would have been very convincing <laughs> who knows maybe under Quentin's direction he would have but uh, I, I
1: think it's just the like just like he I mean he casts a lot of you know he has Lena Dunham in this movie he has a lot of people doing interesting things I think it would have been interesting to see I'm glad that ended up the way that it did because i don't think Char- charles manson should be a funny um character i think it's good that when we see him he is scary and that's it yeah and you
2: know? it's funny because this uh that actor uh damian harriman mm-hmm. uh, he's played would also even yeah he plays charles manson in this and he also played him on the uh
1: mindhunter the, right
2: uh yeah the second season of mindhunter so that's
1: fuck bring back mindhunter god
2: I still haven't I've seen the first episode and that's that was it.
1: Dude, it's a perfect show. Go watch it. Like seriously, watch okay. all of it. It's so good.
2: I mean, I don't know how I haven't watched the whole thing considering it's all the all the first seasons directed by David Fincher.
1: Uh everything's
2: directed by David Fincher. Oh, it's shit. his show.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Have you
2: seen The Killer yet? No, I haven't. Uh better than I expected. Much better than I expected. It's really good. Yeah. Um and different than I expected too. I don't know what I was expecting cuz I never read the graphic novel, but um yeah, as it was just one of those movies as it, as we were flowing through it, I was like, Fuck, I have like no idea what is coming next. Like I don't know mm-hmm. where we're heading towards, but I'm interested. yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah. I mean,
1: Rick's like if we're if we're kind of covering Rick's overarching story, I know they intersect a lot. That's the point of this movie, right? It's the people that you're encountering, running into like that's kind of the point of a day in the life movies anyway, especially ones that have big casts like this. Yeah. Um, so because
2: because pretty much all that's left for Rick before we do the time jump is just him uh working on this show and it's just him trying to yeah. you know it's him filming it, but also um it's it's very fascinating because there's times where as he's filming it, we're seeing it through the you know, supposed uh like TV show camera. It's not our camera. It's we're supposed to be seeing it from their filming point of view and there's times you you uh, you genuinely get lost in the scene and you're just mm-hmm. like, you're just so engrossed in what's going on in this scene that I totally forgot that's what we were doing until uh, there's the scene when they're uh, they're filming the scene. Uh, it's Rick and Timothy Oliphant are filming it at the mm-hmm. table. And all of a sudden it stops for a second and Rick just goes, line, what's the line again? Right. And you're like, and it breaks you. And you're like, oh, fuck, that's right. I forgot that's what we were doing.
1: I think the... I think the explorations of and I don't remember who that little girl was. Um, um
2: but like the the actor or the character?
1: Um the actress who was the, who was playing that part.
2: She's um, fantastic.
1: But like the whole Samantha
2: Robinson.
1: Okay. So like I thought this little subplot of the exploration of, you know, like the the exploration of character like work and acting and how it's kind of ridiculous but also beautiful Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting because like there's moments where you're like oh my god this is so pretentious and this is so stupid and (laughs) it's fucking dumb and then it creates a beautiful performance that completely engrosses you exactly like you said and you're like you forget that it's a that it's a movie within a movie kind of thing and you go oh shit okay I kind of get it like I get the art of it and that I think that's why Quentin actors like working with Quentin and I think that's one of the things that makes Quentin a very good director when he when he fully leans into the fact that he understands actors and trusts them and I think that's why he makes he can create good stories
2: yeah and 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 we have mentioned before that that Quentin has said like you know he he is in this for the for the fun of it he that's the vibe he brings to this set which is you know obviously being professional and whatnot but also he's like we have the coolest fucking job in the world and let's have fun doing it mm-hmm. you know like yeah that's why you know he also has like the no cell phone rule and whatnot because like nothing should be distracting you from what you're you know what we're doing here because so many people so many uh, moving parts and whatnot but again like you get to go th- do this cool thing and you're gonna be mm-hmm. just distract yourself with other things like come on yeah um yeah but that that uh little girl that plays his little uh, just like counterpart um, <laughs> yeah co-star I think, I, I think he like kit his is supposed to have kidnapped her or something like yeah. that um when they first meet when she's just you know just uh, sitting around you know probably waiting for her to be called to set um and she's reading a book, and of course <laughs> uh Rick goes and sits down next to her and pulls out a little western and they're both just comparing books and just this that girl is very just smart and articulate, uh just as herself. And then once she actually gets to start acting, even you know, even Cliff is or uh Rick is like amazed by her acting and whatnot too. And just thought that was a cool little a nice thing. Right, like, I like to
1: throw myself on the ground. I'm like, good for you, oh, girl.
2: Yeah, because she's sitting on his lap and he throws her down at one point, and then after they call cut, um, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I even throw myself on the ground every now and then just for fun.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's it's really interesting. Um, But yeah. Uh,
2: I love I love his little temper tantrum he throws <laughs> in
1: his mm-hmm. trailer.
2: Um, improvised, I, wanna, I guess. I was going to say, I wonder how much of that was scripted or improvised. I
1: think Quentin just told him to go for it, and that's what he did. Oh,
2: fuck. That's amazing. If um, I'm not
1: mistaken, when I was reading about it, I think that's, it was just kind of, he was like, go do this. Like, and that's what, (laughs) that's what DiCaprio, once again, trusting your actor to understand the character and guiding them through that, but not being too controlling. I think that's where the genius lies.
2: Yeah. I, I, I sadly felt a little, a little scene in that because while I don't, outwardly throw tantrums like that that is my brain all the time yelling at myself (laughs) that is just what it does that's a Um, therapy
1: thing bro you need to go do that
2: (laughs) you know it's i uh i was listening to um conan o'brien's podcast and he was he's talking to somebody and and he and he was getting not upset you know it's conan he's giving somebody shit he's like how where do you get this confidence from because i need some of that he's like you know there's times where you know whatever I'll come home from this is, I think this is back when he still had his show on TBS <laughs> and he was like you know I'll go into the bathroom and all of a sudden my wife will just hear me start yelling like god what are you doing you thought that was funny why would you do that and just <laughs> and and you know he's like i probably scared the shit out of her and he's like but that's he's like that's just how i am he's like that's how i try to make myself better <laughs> i'm just like oh my god like, i kind of feel that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: um I I really love when you know during his his tantrum towards the end, he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's just like he's like, and you drink too much? You're gonna stop fucking drinking." And we do a cut, and it's him opening his flask to take a drink, and he gets <laughs> all pissed and opens the door and throws the flask. Out. Yeah,
1: you drink too. Yeah, he's an alcoholic for sure.
2: Yeah, and and that only lasts for that one scene because mm-hmm. any other scene where he's at home or whatever, he's drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's drinking for the this the entirety of this movie.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: Once again though the aging movie star that's not in control of his shit anymore and you know he's not he's not the guy he thought he would be at the, like and being an alcoholic and you know doing the things that he does that's hollywood that's a very
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: very uh true to life thing.
2: Um I think for the before the time jump I think this is more or less uh Rick's uh ending other than other than when uh rick and cliff converge again at the end before before the time jump so
1: yeah and uh, he he gets married that's kind of his only other big thing
2: yeah uh so we can jump over to cliff for now to follow until they meet again um he like i I feel like after he fixes the antenna he kind of just has downtime and is just kind of i don't know if he's just driving around the city yeah he's just kind of
1: wandering around which is smart because i feel like quentin just wanted to explore los angeles in this time
2: yeah i mean they spent all that because none of none of the facades or anything are digital that is all they rebuilt downtown hollywood to look like 60s uh-huh. so yeah that's, again it's that's so where all cool. the money went yeah it's where it shows like the yeah the money shows for that um, and
1: they made their money back with this movie too it cost you know 95 million dollars but they they made 377 million so
2: yeah i mean it it's did not well it's not Django numbers, which did like half a billion, which when you think of a Quentin movie making half a billion dollars, uh, almost. It, it was. This movie's there. better
1: than Django, though. Uh,
2: I mean, yeah. Mm. God, <laughs> it's so hard. I didn't think
1: that would be controversial. That's so interesting.
2: Well, it's just so hard because that's the good thing about Quentin is he's kind of got a movie for very different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? For different uh, moods and feelings and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. I uh, did
1: want to bring something up, though they did they not use the n-word in this movie? or I don't, th- I or don't think barely so. use it if they did. it was not it was definitely not noticeable, yeah, I don't think they I don't think they did. you know what? there's the I'm
2: on IMDB. they have the, the a counter thing. because yeah. he does it so much
1: in his movies <laughs>
2: yeah well, Maybe when that's you look-
1: the reason why I liked it. I'm like, you're not being a fucking child <laughs> in your writing. you're like uh, I'm like, stick to old Hollywood stuff and don't have racist lines and i will enjoy the fuck out of your movies dude
2: uh it just says profanity about 100 uses of the f-word multiple uses of shit and goddamn throughout that is it
1: good yeah um
2: which is funny it's just funny to note this is rated r for language throughout some strong graphic violence which Mm -hmm. we will get to uh drug use and sexual references like
1: yeah he had to he couldn't make it completely um free of controversy he had to have the the racial controversy as in regards to Bruce Lee's character being portrayed as a caricature kind of thing mm-hmm. um but you know i guess baby steps yeah, the, um, yeah i'm just joking but yeah anyway i i noticed that but i didn't notice it till the end i was like oh that was nice to not have to hear that shit that was really nice it was nice to yeah. not see him act in this movie either. No offense, <laughs> Quentin, but offense.
2: Uh, I mean, know. his voice is in here, but that's about it. Which um, is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, so Cliff, yeah, while he's driving around town, he winds up coming across Margaret Qualley's uh, character Pussycat, which is funny when later on. Um,
1: yeah. A real so, life person. Yes. Again, all of these um, all of the Manson family, they're real people. Tex is a real person. Um mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there's Katie, Sadie, Clem, Flower Child, Sundance, Lulu, Snake, Blue Angel, and Froggy. Squeaky and Fromm Gypsy.
1: being one of the most famous Dakota Fanning playing oh, Squeaky, squeaky From. Yeah,
2: which again, that was another weird. That was another weird uh, choice for some reason. I don't know. know weird choice. I don't know. It just it uh, it just kind of took me out for a second. I was like, whoa, okay, I wasn't expecting that.
1: To me, it was very smart because oh, once again, by choosing either child, like a child actor or these legacy, like, you know, children of famous people. Um, and, and Austin Butler, by the way, is all, was also a child actor. This is one of his first big, like he was like a teen heartthrob guy. Mm-hmm. I think by doing that, he's really messing with your head by having these incredibly evil characters played by people that you, you, you kind of already know
2: yeah exactly I and mean, i mean dakota fanning's been around since like 2000 yeah like that, having so.
1: dakota fanning play squeaky from that's fascinating mm-hmm. um i think i think it was jennifer lawrence was originally gonna play squeaky from Uh <sighs> but she it was like a scheduling thing or something it just didn't work out that would have been interesting too yeah because imagine <sighs> it's just this one scene or this one moment in the movie
0: yeah where you true. show
1: up and because because that and that's powerful, too, because like it happens with Dakota Fanning as well. We're like, is that fucking Dakota Fanning playing yeah. Squeaky Fromm? <laughs> it uh, would have been that way with Jennifer Lawrence, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
1: he's just kind of wandering around the city and then he ends up meeting with um, with Margaret Qualley's character and or Pussycat is obviously a real person, but with Margaret Qualley and she's kind of like going to take him on this odyssey into like the lions den kind of thing.
2: Yeah, cuz they have a they have a little back and forth on the car ride. Well, because she says that she's uh, hit, uh, hitching a ride with him. Um she has to take him to Spawn Ranch, which was an old um filming uh, studio, filming ranch. Uh, however, you want to l- I think call it was it. just
1: they shot on location, right?
2: Yeah. Um spawn ranch also known as spawn movie ranch was a 55 acre movie ranch in los angeles california for a period it was used as a ranch dairy farm and later movie set during the era of westerns yeah after a decline in use for filming by the 1950s its owner george spawn established uh, where'd it go Uh, a stable for renting horses and riding on the buried acres yeah okay um and so they have a funny little back and forth because um (laughs) <laughs> there's clearly some sexual tension but he's like how old are you and she's like you know old enough and he's like nah uh you know <laughs> no. and just i just like how he's like unless unless i see some id that that says you're 18 like it's just like he was like i'm not going to jail for poontang <laughs> 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 like good god um and when you get again you get feet shots of her but like very dirty feet my god
1: <laughs> well she's not wearing shoes uh, why would yeah. they be clean
2: but they, even later on when they do it Margaret Margot Robbie at the movie theater, even her feet are hella dirty,
1: <laughs> which is yeah. so weird.
2: I don't know what, what that was about. His
1: fetish is evolving. Uh,
2: apparently. needs <laughs> to be dirty in more ways than one, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so they get up to spawn ranch, and this is where the tension started for me, and I thought something was going to happen to, Cliff because yeah, you've, yeah. you've got all these uh This you know, feels
1: like a Tarantino death moment.
2: Yes, because I mean again we know that these people are Manson followers and and even when he decides to go up to the house to talk to George, because he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I used to when I used to shoot here, I you know, I used to talk to George and we used to know each other, so he decides to go and ask if he's still there. And this that's when um well and plus all the other girls are in the living room watching TV and uh somebody's like oh yeah pussycat just showed up with some guy and squeaky played by dakota fanning is like keep an eye on him and let me know if he comes up here like all defensive and she's even trying her hardest to shoo him away when he shows up and is just you know trying to get him out of there and i was like oh fuck is is george back there dead or something like that like is that <laughs> what we're gonna discover then they're gonna kill cliff like that's what i thought was gonna happen he gets his way he makes his way into the house and again everyone's just staring him down tensions rising he goes into george's room um at first you think george is dead because he's not waking up and then of course he wakes up and he's just a curmudgeonly old man he's yeah. fine he's fine there's and again yeah, there, they there weren't goes,
1: hurting him or anything
2: no i mean she eh, apparently you know the, uh, he were yeah, squeaky sle- have a sexual relationship with... i don't know <laughs> if
1: that was true but uh, yeah I also think she was going to do whatever she had to do to be able to stay there. So.
2: Yeah. I think mostly they just didn't want anybody screwing things up for them there. And I I think that's all that was, but yeah, Mm -hmm. just Quentin built up so much tension in that scene. um, Just for it to completely die down as soon as George wakes up and they, they have a very humorous back and forth. George doesn't remember him, um, you know, and, and, uh, (laughs) I just like how he, t- George tells Cliff, like, oh yeah, I've been, I've been blind for however long, and they eventually bring up Squeaky, and George is like, who is that? And he goes, the little blonde out there, and George is like, did you not fucking hear me when yeah. I told you I'm blind? Right. I do know like, which one is the blonde no. one. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, he's just like, okay, you know, whatever, just thought I'd come by and say hi, and so he goes to leave, and one of the, uh, one of the guys there uh, slashes the tires of rick's car and of course cliff is like no that's not even my car that is my boss's car luckily for you i have a spare and tells the guy to put it on which of course the guy does Mm -hmm. not do and cliff beats the shit out of him like this is where our first instance of tarantino violence comes into play Mm -hmm. like it's not over the top it's just very brutal because Mm -hmm. it's a brutal beating yeah um and of course all the all the girls there are losing their shit. They're telling him to like, go get Charlie. I, did, did they say go get Charlie or is he? No, he's gone. No, um, they
1: get texts, texts. Yeah, they, they bring yeah, in texts to help.
2: Yeah. Cause Charlie is gone yeah. somewhere. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny. It says Booth physically forces ranch hippie Clem to change his car tire after discovering he punctured it. Um, text is someone to deal with the situation, but Booth is driving away when he arrives. Right. Um, uh, so again, this is, well, this is where, um, this is where we're about to get to where cliff and, and rick meet back up but i mean in the meantime the little bit you see it, margot robbie is her going downtown to the movie theater where her new movie is playing um so <laughs> just kind of fun. and and it's just and it's it's kind of funny but a little sad that she has to convince the people working there that that is her mm-hmm. and she is the one in the movie and i just like they're gonna take a picture together and then she goes the girls are like why don't you move closer to the poster so people will know it's really you <laughs> it's
1: like oh <"Aw." laughs> Because Sharon Tate wasn't super famous at this time, was she? I don't. Uh, well, I, I th- mean, I thought she became more famous after she died. I don't mean that in insulting way. Just a. Yeah, this not. might be wrong. This
2: might have been the the start or the middle of it. So she was still, uh, yeah, still relatively new. Because um, she does seem. I mean, who knows? Maybe she was just just always excited whenever one of her movies was coming out or whatever. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, it's just it's she's, just her watching. She's the movie like in the an theater. innocent.
1: She's very sweet
2: yeah and i just like that as like things are happening in the movie she is like looking around for other people's reactions and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh, which i've heard that a lot of actors writers directors do they go to movie theaters and sit in the back and just kind of watch everyone's reaction which yeah. how could you not i mean i would want to see people's real-time reactions
1: <laughs> i would be scared to do that
2: uh, yeah it it's definitely a double-edged sword <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel um
1: like uh the guy who played daredevil charlie oh, cox charlie going cox. to see spider-man and he was expecting, he saw it in theaters, and he was. his agents were like, oh, they're going to cheer for you and stuff, and like, no one reacted when he showed up on screen. He just happened to be in a screening, like people did in other showings, but in the one that he was in, no one reacted. He was like, oh, fuck.
2: Like, almost all Marvel movies I had gone to in the theater were all with just an incredible crowd, and when I mm-hmm. went to go see um, No Way Home, fucking nobody reacted to anything except me i was expecting other people to join in so it was just me reacting to things and i was like you people fucking suck
1: i don't think that really is as much of a thing anymore i feel like that was an era
2: uh,
1: and it's kind of over man no
2: Uh, yeah man that movie still hits me in all the emotions just because of the nostalgia factor Uh (laughs) um so yeah uh So eventually Rick learns that uh, Al Pacino has booked him to star in Sergio Cabucci's spaghetti Western film, Nebraska gym. Um, And this is where, uh, this is where they're, well, they're watching, they're watching the latest episode of the show uh, together and, and uh, Cliff mentions like, Hey, you know, I bought an acid dipped cigarette today, which I did some research on is not a real thing. Like you can't, I don't think you can smoke acid that way. I don't think that's how it works. I think it burns it up before it does any, uh, it has any effect on you. So I guess Oh, good interesting.
1: You know? Okay. Yeah. I would have thought that was real.
2: Yeah. It, it sounds like a real thing. Apparently I was like, can you, can you smoke acid? And I looked it up and it said, yeah, no, it it burns everything up before it actually does anything to you. So I guess that's good to know. Um, <laughs> I just like how, Damn,
1: I guess I can't smoke my acid lace cigarette tonight. I know.
2: Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday night ruined. Uh, and so I like how Cliff tells him, like, hey, you know, I'm going to leave it here with yours. Don't smoke it by mistake. I mean, you know, if you want to smoke it, smoke it. But, uh, you know, I, leave some for me. And <laughs> just Cliff's line or uh, Rick's line of uh, my booze don't need nobody is <laughs> it's such a good line for some reason. Uh, yeah, or my booze really doesn't funny. need a buddy, something like that. Um, and then, of course, we get the famous meme of him whistling and pointing at the screen because he's showing up. Um, I love it. it. And this is where, again, we take a turn because, you know, he's like, oh, here I am. And so they both like, oh, you know, Cliff is like, he's like, oh, oh, here we go. And they watch the TV and then we just cut to black. And that's when I'm like, oh, shit, what are like, what are we going to do now? And this is when. uh, Time jump. Yeah, we do the time jump. Um, They go to Italy for six for a six month film shoot. Um, uh, Rick films three additional movies there and marries (laughs) Italian starlet Francesca Capucci. Mm hmm um also they're 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 running over the the movies that rick made while he was there and one of them is directed by antonio margariti from thing <laughs> and Glorious bastards which was so mm-hmm. funny um i did my own like you know uh rick thing like hey hey pointing at the screen yeah, thing, yeah like, oh, you know oh, yeah um i was probably the only one in the theater that caught that <laughs> um so before they return to like on the plane, ride there, I think um, Rick tells Cliff that he can no longer afford to pay him, uh, which Cliff Cliff um, like amicably understands. And, yeah. Uh, so we are back in L.A. now. It is August eighth, nineteen sixty nine. Um, this is where Quentin. Well, or I'm sorry, uh, Kurt Russell is narrating all of this, and we um, we find out you know um, Cliff and Rick go back to the house for the night. Go back to go back to Rick's house for the night. Um, Sharon and all her friends are all out of a mes- uh, Mexican restaurant having dinner together before heading back home. And I just like how there's like three people in a row, like, oh, so and so was doing this while smoking a joint. And then so and so was off doing this also while smoking a joint. Like, <laughs> I
1: just thought that was funny. Um, See, they were able to function because their weed wasn't as strong. Yeah. So they were just sh- smoking it all the time, like fucking cigarettes. <laughs> Now it's like one hit and you're gonna like go trip in the corner. Oh, shit, up. Weed's too strong, damn it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so this is I like I like when um Rick uh Cliff is sitting on the couch and he, you know, opens up the cigarette box and sees and sees the LSD laced cigarette and is like, is tonight the night? Looks over at Brandy and just goes, Why not? Mm-hmm. So they, they head outside. And to this day, Victoria and I still quote this. He takes, you know, a nice long drag of that. He's gonna go take Brandy for a walk. He takes a nice long drag of that cigarette and just goes, and away we go. Like <laughs> take off walking Victor and I still say that every now and then. Um
1: it's so and- funny thinking about the LSD cigarette laced cigarette thing, in that like Quentin Tarantino probably just doesn't do drugs. Like like nobody offered him drugs, kind of kind of guy. He's like, he's like, yeah, LSD laced cigarette, and it's not even a thing. That seems like some that's something I would fucking do.
2: again it sounds like it should be a real thing but apparently it's not
1: (laughs) that's really funny um
2: and um so then we kind of cut to uh manson followers text sadie katie and flower child um who this is uh austin butler um uh mikey madison maya hawk and um oh god i forgot the last girl's name um her real name uh Madison Beatty um the the redhead i believe um so they arrive just outside the well they, they at first they pull up to the uh the little cul-de-sac where uh Rick and Sharon live and <laughs> Rick gets all pissed as he's making his margaritas he goes out there and yells at him keep, keeps calling him fucking hippies and tells him to you know get their shit kicker out of there and so they drive back down the street and they're sitting there waiting and they realize who it is and they're like you know we're gonna go up there and kill him and the neighbors and all that and i just like when they're getting ready to leave Maya hawk's character is like oh shit you know i left my knife in the car and and so she like goes to take off and texas like hey hey i locked the door you need the keys and she's like oh yeah hey great thanks and then she just takes off um which i don't know if she just chickened out for the act or has all around just not been on board with anything. Uh, the whole time she didn't see like the whole the yeah. entire time of the car. She didn't seem like she was up
1: for any of that, which I guess is good. I'm um she was. So the real person that she's based off of was present at the, um, the murders, but mm-hmm. got immunity because she like gave testimony and was an important witness.
2: Yeah. And she probably uh, clearly didn't take, part in the actual murder right you know
1: so that's Uh, what it sounds like
2: and and again people argue charles Manson didn't kill anybody but guess what none of that would have happened had he not uh, right but brainwashed those people and also come up with the idea you're just as guilty if you came up with the idea (laughs) (laughs) as the people who executed the idea um
1: yeah it says she stood by the car
2: oh okay So so she didn't take off so
1: she heard she had like she heard everything that happened she said right, she started to run right. toward the house. So she was, she, she claims that she wanted it to stop. Um, I won't get into any details of that because once again, we are not here for that. And that's a nice thing within the context of this movie that yeah. that's not what is about to happen. Yeah. Even though that once again, he's tricking you into thinking that's exactly That's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. They are, they have shown up to kill Tate and then yeah. they switch their Target, which is where it starts to get really interesting.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: cause they they encounter Rick Dalton, who's yeah, mad and, that, it's, that and, their car is loud.
2: Yeah. And that's, and then after they're, they drive away and are sitting down at the end of the street, they realize who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadie rationalizes that Hollywood quote taught them to murder. Mm-hmm. That's the quote. And therefore they should kill Hollywood people. So they, uh, decide to go kill Dalton instead. Yeah. Um,
1: which is a they, mistake because if they're going to <laughs> Dalton's house, that's where cliff is
2: yeah. um yeah so flower child has second thoughts and re- and she leaves and deserts them Tex insists on carrying it out carrying out the plan and then they can just hitchhike home yeah uh so we go we get to cliff inside the house who is preparing food for brandy and mm-hmm. <laughs> i love because I love, you know brandy barks and he like points at her and i was like hey you know we don't need any and like stops and is like waving his hand all around and he's Mm -hmm. just like oh man like (laughs) just totally gone i've never done hallucinogens there was a period of time where i thought about it but i was like nah my brain's too mean to me all that's gonna happen is bad shit all i'm gonna think about is bad shit and you're not supposed to do
1: that i genuinely the idea that it could trigger a psychosis or something like that genuinely scares me so no pass
2: Yeah, again, maybe on my deathbed bed, I'll ask for some shrooms or something. Who knows? But uh, if I ever did anything,
1: thing. I would do shrooms because it's like a natural thing. Do I do not understand. Thing. I do not understand LSD and shit. I'm like, I'm not fucking with anything in a lab. Ugh, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Um, so no meth for you, huh?
1: <laughs> well, obviously I do meth, but that's different. <laughs> See, the thing is, I have the lab he <laughs> oh, have yeah. the control <laughs> uh uh
2: okay so yeah while cliff is doing that is is uh, preparing food for brandy all of a sudden the front door gets kicked in and it's uh tex and uh katie and i just like how cliff is just like uh can i help you yeah and they ask if anybody else is in the house and he was like oh yeah just the just the one sleeping in the back and so um I just kind of like how at first he seems like they made a mistake, but then, um, Mikey Madison kicks in the back door and he turns and it's just like, Oh, like he realizes they're not there on accident. That's kind of, that was kind of his indicator. And I like that, uh, um, you know, Brandy clearly senses something is up and she stands up, but Cliff, like very, uh, coyly just like puts, you know, tells her to stand down for now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, they drag out, um, they drag out uh, rick's wife mm-hmm. um and i just like that uh i really <laughs> like when cliff is like oh like hey i know all of you he's like you guys are from mm-hmm. spawn ranch and it's like how he's like you know he's like i can't you know i, I you know like i remember i remember you talk, pointing to text he's like you were on a horsey and, mm-hmm. and, and then looks at mikey madison and just goes you i remember your white little face mm-hmm. <laughs> and points back at text again and it's just like uh He's like, yeah. What was your name again? And the text gives the famous quote of, "I am the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's work." Right. And there's just a pregnant pause of Rick looking kind of creeped out, and then he just goes, "No, nah, it was dumber than that." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just like how every, every just minuscule detail is just thrown back in those people's mm-hmm. faces to make them seem just like the dumbest Silly people and, and yeah, small. like. Make, exactly. it, make them small yeah yeah just every just every single aspect right um, make
1: the actual victims of like in real life big beautiful characters and make the people who um who committed the crimes silly and small and stupid
2: yeah um there's a really good moment oh, tech says something to uh, says something to um cliff and cliff just just this, the laugh that Brad Pitt lets out is so mm-hmm. fucking hilarious because he's just high as a kite on LSD. Um, doesn't even know if they're real at first. Um, oh, I like <laughs> there's one shot of, um, I don't know what he says to Mikey Madison, but he turns and looks at her. I don't know. He's just like, yeah, whatever, like, how are you doing or something like that. And she's just staring at him and he looks back at the others and it's just like, gives them a look like, what's up with her, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so this is when shit goes off the rails. Um, I think, uh, this is when he realizes that they're there to do harm clicks his tongue Brandy goes and starts attacking Tex at that. And same time, uh, Mikey Madison's Kate. uh, Sadie goes to attack cliff while he's still holding Brandy's canned dog food and throws it Mm -hmm. as hard as he can from like five feet away, right into the center of her face. Um, my God, I cannot imagine how much that would fucking hurt. um, Brandy's fucking up Tex really good, biting his arm, biting his leg, and then eventually bites his groin. Um, yes. Deserved. Again, <laughs> deserved. Um, uh, uh, what is her name? Um, uh, Rick's wife punches the shit out of Katie and retreats to her room. Um, Francesca? Yes, Francesca. Uh, retreats to her room. Um, and uh, Cliff goes over to Tex and fucking curb stomps his head uh, <laughs> his, his goddamn head just explodes um uh Sadie is about I think I believe is about to go after after um Cliff but of course he redirects Brandy to her and Brandy starts fucking her up
1: it's wild that they think they can still fight him when he's already he destroys them basically in seconds
2: yeah um and this is the the, to me this is the best part when he gets into a fight because uh katie comes and like just rushes him and they mm-hmm. go they like go toppling over the uh coffee table and like bump into the fireplace mm-hmm. and rick looks down and he's been stabbed in like the hip mm-hmm. which my god for a knife to go into your hip i feel like that's got to be yeah that has got to hurt yeah, like so bad bone. yeah yeah I mean like he even like taps it and it's just kind of like oh man like that's not good kind of thing <sighs> grabs Katie, by the back of her head, starts slamming her face into the phone that's that's like propped up on the wall, mm-hmm. sla- <laughs> moves over to another wall, slams her face into a glass poster over and over, mm-hmm. smashes it into the side of the fireplace, and then we get to like the fireplace mantle that has like the brick edge, just repeatedly slamming her face into it, and it's so bloody and yeah. mushy. Um, and it and Props to the props department because never does it look like he is holding a dummy. It looks like he is holding, he is really doing that to her. Um, I feel like there are, there are, there's a couple times when he slams her face into something, you can tell it was a, um, it, it looks like his hand like stops short and it's her head doing the rest of the movement, you know, so he doesn't actually ram her face into anything. There's a couple shots you can tell from that, but like when he's ramming <laughs> into the fireplace, Oh my god! Like it looks, it looks so good. Like it's so disturbing, but it looks so <laughs> well
1: done. Right. And um, if you're gonna have violent moments in this story, this turning is... the historical part on its head and like having the violence be done to these asshole people in this cult, like is the way, is the way to do it. You know.
2: This, yeah. This is like when I was like so happy that this is what we were when I realized, right. Like, oh, I right, was like, what oh, he was I, doing. Yeah. I should have known we were gonna not go the true life yeah route.
1: i felt the same way i was like oh of course like yeah. he's he's not going to have it go that way which i was like um great idea uh
2: and then starts ramming her head into the uh coffee table eventually she's probably long been dead so he chucks her aside um sadie uh yeah sadie stands up and is just this whole time she's just been a screaming mess like mm-hmm. ever since he threw the can her face she's just done nothing but scream yeah. flail around she winds up yeah, she's running- providing the soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. She winds up running through the fucking sliding glass door out into the backyard where Rick has been sitting there with his uh, radio and headphones Mm -hmm. on, just floating in the pool. And she goes crashing through there, scares the shit out of him. And he's, you know, like, what the fuck is going on? Again, she stands up, screams, starts shooting the gun, falls in the pool. He's Mm -hmm. still standing in the pool, wondering what the fuck is going on. And she finally pops out screaming and starts shooting it. And I love it because he... I didn't know that this was this is where we were going for a second. You know, he, he gets out of the pool, runs away and runs into the shed and out he comes with the
1: fucking flamethrower. Why does he have a flamethrower? <laughs> Why on earth?
2: Burns her to a fucking crisp in the pool. And I have to say uh, this is a spoiler for Scream 2022. Skip ahead like 20 seconds. Mikey Madison, two movies in a row gets lit on fire and killed in the third act. Like what the fuck?
1: That's her brand, her trademark. Oh my god!
2: Somebody, somebody made a a letterbox list, and it was like movies of Mikey Madison getting lit on fire in the third act, and it's just those those two movies. Oh my god, that's so good. That's so fucking Um, good. Yeah. So yeah, the police arrive. um cliff regains consciousness because he kind of mm-hmm. fainted after all of that which makes sense um, yeah uh,
1: but he lives like he he, oh, he, yeah, he lives. lives
2: uh rick wants to go to the hospital with him but you know booth uh, cliff just tells him like you know just you know, there's no point come you know come tomorrow and bring bagels I, 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 yeah and i kind of like their little goodbye because because even after the doors close rick is just like all right you know i will s- see you tomorrow like just his,
1: yeah like they're know. never gonna not be in each other's lives even though that other part of their relationship has ended. Which is kind of sweet.
2: Yeah. Um, and then I like right before the ambulance pulls away, you can hear Cliff go and away we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and then Emil Hirsch comes down and from Sharon's house and is, you know, questioning like what Rick. happened. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck happened? And Rick kind of just gives him the rundown. Um, and I like how he goes, Rick's is like, you know, I torched the last one. And, and Emil Hirsch is like torched. And he goes, yeah, believe it or not, I got a, I got a flamethrower out in my tool shed and you know, he's a fan. So he knows exactly what movie it's from. Um, we hear Sharon come on the little intercom down there at the end of the driveway. Uh, they relay the information and she says, you know, Hey, would you like to, would you like, she's so excited that they are cause this, this has got to be the first time they've interacted, um, even though they've been neighbors for a while. um, <clears throat> So, yeah, she's so excited and she's like, you know, do you want to come up for drinks and meet my other friends? And he's like, I, you know, surely would. And and we just wa- watch the two of them walk up the driveway as the camera pans above them with this, again, it's the music that is playing is is very dreamy, but also very melancholy. And I think that's kind of rightfully so. Like, that's kind of the perfect tone. Mm-hmm. Um because again, it is a very bittersweet thing. This is exactly how more or less how we wanted things to end yeah. in real life. um and I just like that, yeah, we just kind of do an overhead shot of them all like meeting and hugging for a second. They walk in the house and we see the title of the movie and then and then we see written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. yeah
1: um I just a uh, man, it, it, you're just like, yeah, this is this is what we want we want her to to live and be happy. Every, I mean, everyone who was – obviously, Sharon Tate was not the only person murdered um, in 1969, but, like, you know, she is the person you think of because she was this beautiful movie star, and she was married to a famous director, and she was she was eight and a half months pregnant. She was just about to have – like, she was that far into her pregnancy, which I feel like is – I mean, everyone knows she was pregnant, but, like, is forgotten that, like, you know, um, that she was mm-hmm. that far into her pregnancy, just about to have her baby. Oh, and, yeah. And that, you know, this is what we want, which is for her to live. And I like that in the idea of making a Hollywood fairy tale, that's exactly what Quentin wants and does as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And to, like I said earlier, to have such a charismatic and beautiful person who seems very caring, like Margot Robbie also seems very caring um, and thoughtful in her portrayal. Mm-hmm. play you know this person who's supposed to be you know like we said before very angelic very you know a, a a wonderful soothing presence within this film
2: yeah um and again like we we uh, just just like i said just totally get uh, just living out that revenge fantasy type of thing mm-hmm. of, of what we want to happen to those people yeah uh, even though it's so brutal and over the top, but also like, like even that brutality is nothing compared to what happened in real life. So right.
1: But the important part, too, is that he doesn't just end on that note. He ends on on like, well, she gets to live and Rick maybe gets to have more of a career and Cliff's going to be OK. Like it's it's honestly one of his more hopeful endings, too, I think
2: oh yeah for sure because because yeah like you said i mean that he that was Bricks plan all along was to hopefully befriend her mm-hmm. and, and you know make movies with roman polanski or at least uh I, you know at least you know hobnob with his with the associates of them mm-hmm. or something you know yeah. like and then yeah so um yeah I, it's funny too because i never thought about like it having such a sweet and bittersweet ending like mm-hmm. uh, with you know with just cliff and rick and then obviously with sharon and, and rick and sharon in general like mm-hmm. yeah um yeah like i said it wasn't until this last rewatch i was like man i was like this ending's never hit me this way before
0: <laughs> yeah uh
2: it's yeah it's such a good ending it really um, is and and it's weird because i i remember initially seeing it for like a split second i was just kind of like that's it and then i was just like and then initi- and then not too long later i was like no that's it that right. is what you wanted to happen <laughs> that is yeah. what should have happened obviously rick isn't a real is not is like rick and cliff are the uh probably the only two fictional characters here um out of everybody else for the most part um and like or,
1: i i like the the storyline of it's slow and then it's really fast the and then it's done and that's it you know
2: yeah yeah um and it would, be, it would be really fun to see more of, of Rick and Cliff in, in yeah, some way or I another. Um, I mean, again, I, I know uh, Quentin has talked about, he, he does want to do like an actual bounty law series. I think he said he has like eight episodes written or so. I don't know. Maybe that was the a different thing he said he had planned was he did have a show written. He's like, I've got eight episodes finished, ready to go. We're mm-hmm. just shopping those around. Um. But I think that was for something else. But yeah. yeah, he did say he would like to see, you know, Bounty Law become a series, and he wants Quentin, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, to come back. And uh, would he do it? I, well, I think if Quentin was behind it, then yeah, he would. I think he, he
1: might, but I also, I don't know. I'm also like, what's the point of of a Bounty Law show? I don't. I don't, I wouldn't be super interested in that. I like the I like the character of Rick Dalton in this larger cast.
2: Mm, hmm. um okay so this actually says in 2019 tarantino expressed interest in creating a bounty loss tv series based on five half-hour scripts he wrote in preparation for the film <laughs> oh my god you wrote five half-hour scripts of a fictional show as preparation for the movie yeah. Good god um and he plans on writing three more tarantino said he does not know who would play jake uh the lead but added quote if leo wants to do it that would be great um The series will be shot in black and white and follow the half hour format of Western television shows from the fifties. Scenes from the episodes already written appear in once upon a time in Hollywood. Tarantino plans on directing all the episodes of the series. Um, They also make uh, reference to the show Lancer, which is another American Western series. Um, Quentin hopes Rob Rodriguez will turn Tarantino's version of Lancer uh, in once upon a time in Hollywood into a film. Um yeah that's it for that anyway um so yeah uh again i i I think anything set in this world would be fun to watch again although there was something recently where uh uh quentin tarantino posted that rick dalton had passed um and and it was like it was last year 2022 it was uh it was on their it was on his movie theater's instagram page that's so uh, funny um, so they were doing like a tribute to Rick Dalton and they screened this movie, um, there at Quentin's theater, um, in LA. That's um,
1: really, really funny. Yeah. And so like, I didn't know about that.
2: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, like tons of other places were like posting like, you know, pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio, but it it said Rick Dalton and whatnot. <laughs> and it's like, I, that, I just thought R. that R.I.P. Rick cool. Dalton. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it is kind of, it was kind of cool to note too when, uh, when Sharon goes to the showing of her own movie, which was called *The Wrecking Crew*, um, the filmmakers chose to use the actual film rather than recreating it because they—they they also did that with um, Leonardo DiCaprio for *The Great Escape*. They replaced um, um, uh, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Oh yeah, I got you. A blank. Yeah, uh, no, you're re- good.
1: That was a Steve really Smith. good job, by the way. They did no a great shit. job replacing him in that.
2: Um, and I have that on my list to watch. I just have not gotten around to it because it sounds really good. And it's supposed to be really good. Um, it's also like. 170 minutes too.
1: <laughs> the great escape yeah 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 it's like a, a classic for sure
2: i yeah i really want to watch it i just have not seen it yet. Mm-hmm. um yeah um it's i'm like reading through the trivia and surprisingly most of it we have like talked about along the way
1: yeah yeah
2: um oh so okay so going back um it just says, uh, Brad Pitt abd the line, you're Rick, Futt, you're Rick fucking Dalton, don't mm-hmm. you forget that. And it says, Pitt based this line on an actor who told him the same thing when he was a budding actor in the early 90s. Oh, so okay. I thought it was a yeah. roommate, but yeah. Um, Still cool. Yeah. Uh, China refused to the film a certificate uh, for release in the country, strongly hinting at the issue was the way the film portrayed Bruce Lee. Uh, and then an edit which eliminated the Lee related material would get approval for release. Uh, Quentin responded by publicly stating he would not edit the film, uh, would not edit any of the film to ensure it's release in China. But it was, I think it was eventually released.
1: Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad he didn't cave. I think that's bullshit. I don't think he should ever edit something for the sake of it being released in a certain area because of, you know, whatever their ideological or reasons. I mean, I understand them not liking the portrayal of Bruce Lee. And that's that's a fair criticism, but I think when you start to concede one thing, it it just, you know, can snowball very quickly.
2: And and they're notorious for banning movies for oh, yeah. like like they banned Lightyear because there was a same-sex kiss in it, yeah. uh, you know, anything like that. They they
1: do not tolerate um so yeah. And that's why Tarantino has things like final edit, final cut, and, you know, final say of all creative choices because he doesn't want shit like that to happen.
2: Which is kind of crazy, too, that they, they, I'm sure, again, I'm sure that's all in the fine details, but it's like even, even for this reason, oh, even if the, a certain country wants me to edit the movie so we can release it there and you guys ask me to edit to release it there, I can still tell you no. Like that's, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, especially when releasing in China makes, a huge difference in box office numbers oh, because of the population. Yeah. That you is know. like
2: 50 that that is like the other 49.8% right. of right. box office is right. China.
1: <laughs> Which is why this movie probably didn't make as much as they possibly anticipated. But again, that's not what everything is about, <laughs> you know. It yeah, made exactly. enough money to at the very least break even, I'm sure. Um or, yeah, very- but yeah, that's that's not what that's not why they made this movie.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, again this this was this um also won two academy awards uh for best production design, well deserved, and for Brad Pitt for best supporting actor, also well deserved. He mm-hmm. was also the only uh, actor nominated in this in this whole
1: cast. That's actually surprising to me. I would have thought there would have been more nominations. Not to say that anyone else should have like should have won, but like I would have thought there would have been more people.
2: Yeah, I want to I want to see who else was uh who else was nominated this year for like actor and Uh, supporting actor so actor oh oh leo was nominated for this i didn't even think he was nominated i guess he was Oh, Um, jonathan price uh price for the two popes um adam driver for marriage story which i've never seen um antonio banderas for pain and glory what is
1: i don't remember that at all
2: huh um and then joaquin phoenix for joker um
1: yeah which he won
2: you know i have a really weird relationship with that movie because i remember the first time i watched it in the theater i left and was like i felt very moved by it i thought he did a great job. i still think he did a great job in general um and then it eventually came out on physical and i waited a little while and i bought a used copy mm-hmm. on at redbox for like 5 dollars and i watched it again i think i gave it like 4 stars on letterbox when i first mm-hmm. saw it and then i uh, watched it after i bought it on redbox and i was like wow this movie sucks like this is <laughs> wow. not yeah i was like this is not a good movie which i think i now i moved now i now moved it down to two stars because i was like tell me you are a fan of martin scorsese without telling me you're a
1: fan. right of right because it's, it's, it's just taxi driver
2: and like while it's very stylistic and whatnot it is not its own style it right is, it, it is such an amalgamation of so many other things that it is no longer its own thing
1: (laughs) i think it's weird that two actors have won academy awards for playing the joker i just want to throw that out there that i think that's kind of weird
2: i mean it but also i will say look how very differently they were portrayed too which is a good thing i I think it's because that character is so versatile and 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 you can do so many things with him yeah you know um so for best supporting actor that year was joe pesci for the iron man uh, for the iron man <laughs> yeah for the irishman um mm-hmm. uh, oh my god can you imagine joe pesci as iron man <laughs>
1: yes that's what i want to see that's the remake we need
2: uh al pacino for the irishman um anthony hopkins for the two popes again um never seen tom... that
1: movie i don't even mm-hmm. yeah whatever
2: yeah um tom hanks for a uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood
1: oh love yeah. loved it great and then
2: and then brad pitt for this movie yeah. um yeah deserved um, What what is man what a year because that was the year parasite won mm-hmm. uh, picture and screenplay jojo rabbit one best adapted screenplay
1: yeah really good films that year
2: man yeah um so yeah uh i mean if we're gonna so okay if we're rating this movie and we don't like to do half stars i have it yeah as, no half stars I have it as four and a half on my letterbox mm-hmm. and I am not going to downgrade it to a four. So I will, by our count, <laughs> I, I will, or by our grading system, I will give this a five.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a five for me as well. Like, okay. it definitely is. Um, I think it's one of his best works. I think him saying, like, this is the one I'm going out on and then I'm, you know, have an epilogue after is fitting if he continues to do that plan, which I, I stand by, I think is very stupid. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I don't really know how he's going to follow this one up. Um, everything I've heard about the critic or the movie critic or whatever it's called um, doesn't particularly sound interesting to me, but I, you know, I'm game to see it when it comes out, whenever that happens, we will cover it. We're going to come back. And um, as, as these directors that we've enjoyed, you know, enjoyed talking about writer directors, we've enjoyed talking about, release more films we will go back and we'll be like all right we're gonna go see this and give you guys an episode for it so
2: yeah it is called the movie critic and everything just says tba like year uh, everything i'm
1: guessing he'll film it this year
2: yeah i think they yeah i think they're the you know they they were probably about to like hit the ground running last year and then the the strike yeah had the strike happen so yeah that's gonna say. 2024 is gonna be a really strange year for movies and shows because so many things got affected by it.
1: Yeah. The ones that did make it across the finish line that are good are going to shine because there's going to be a severe lack of content. Um, I think that people haven't noticed that, like it's a delayed reaction kind of thing. So uh, I think 2025 will be great, but 2024 as far as um, film and and television is going to be lacking.
2: Yeah. Or or we're gonna get, well, made... you know. yeah. um, like, get some very interesting. Well, TV will catch up
1: faster. That you know. Yeah,
2: somebody's like we're gonna get some very interesting independent movies that are yes. gonna get shot and put out really quick, well, which may not necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, no,
1: yeah, because they they agreed to you know follow what the WGA and um, SAG-AFTRA like asked of film mm-hmm. uh, studios. They did not want to negatively impact smaller studios and independent films, so you know it this was about the the whole strikes were about the big studios and their issues not um not smaller productions
2: yeah exactly exactly but
1: yeah this Uh, is a this is a five uh it's great i am curious to see what film he's going to put out next but for now you know i this is I,
2: i do really hope he kind of does something like when he made when he made pulp fiction and you know of course he's Obviously gonna work on a follow-up and everyone's mm-hmm. like, Oh my god, what kind of uh you know, lavish over the top production is thing is he gonna do next? And it's like, I don't do Jackie Brown, just this little crime thriller. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do
1: you know <laughs> I think it's gonna be small. I think this was a big cast, a big story, a big production. I think it's gonna be a small film, um, with a couple of characters and kind of slow story like a, a very um I don't think it's gonna be very violent like Jackie Brown wasn't very violent, you know, like I think that's actually a very good comparison. I, I agree with you. I think it's overall going to be, um, a, a quieter exit.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and, and not that this one was, I mean, this one was only lavish because of its production design. Right. Um, to, you know, take that away. This probably would have been like a $50 million movie. Yeah, probably not. Probably like a
1: thirty. And, and lavish is a compliment. You know, it was oh, beautiful. For sure.
2: Oh yes. They, yeah. Uh, production design definitely deserved to win their yeah. their academy award 100%. Um so yeah that concludes season 1 yeah. of written and directed by um we're again we're not doing we're not going to do like uh um uh, you know like this was an actual tv show or something you know we're not going to take 6 months off or whatever mm-hmm. it'll you know it, it'll be the normal length of time um so yeah you don't
1: have to yeah. wait too long
2: and oh my god i always forget quentin's middle name is jerome.
1: <laughs> Quentin Jerome Tarantino is a wild oh. name. It really is. <laughs> That's fascinating. Uh,
2: um. So yeah, do you want to uh, lead us into to
1: season yeah. two? So we have decided for season two, we are going to be covering Greta Gerwig. So we have three films to cover in season three. Uh, it's or season two. It's going to be a shorter season, and then season three will be a little bit longer of a director. We've chosen that director as well, but we will hold off on that and announcing that until we reach the conclusion of um season two but I think Greta the reason that I so I was the one who proposed we should cover Greta's films um because I love her as a filmmaker and a writer uh but also because she very much had her moment this last year um sense and and some controversy surrounding it. So she is now the highest grossing uh female director of all time with the bar like Barbie. Uh and she also was not nominated for best director this year, which yeah. was a you know a lot of people talked about Margot Robbie not being nominated and we'll get into this when we discuss Barbie. Um but I think that is one of the more interesting choices that was made um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good time to talk about her films and she's a, she is a much newer filmmaker, um, but has had such a huge cultural impact with the three films that she has made. So I'm, I'm very excited to talk about her movies. Um, I know you have, you've only seen Barbie, correct? Uh,
2: no, I've seen, uh, Barbie and Lady Bird. I just have not seen Little Women.
1: Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I know Kayla's going to want to come on for an episode. I don't think she's decided between. I think she's deciding between Lady Bird and Little Women. I have a feeling she'll come on for Little Women. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm I'm so excited um, to talk about these films and her choices that she makes in her writing and her direction.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see Little Women for because I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. but also I'm, I'm excited to get back to. Um, see cuz i don't think i've seen that since it first came mm-hmm. out which was what like 2016 something like that
1: i believe so yeah um, yeah what... so that's very exciting uh,
2: 2017 but yeah yeah um yeah and uh and yeah like i said we you know obviously i'm not going to tell you who season three is yet mm-hmm. but it, that will again that will be a longer more yeah. uh regular length of a season uh pretty pretty akin to this one so yeah that uh, might
1: be something we kind I don't know we haven't we haven't planned beyond season three but that might be a thing we do a little more often where we have a deeper dive into a longer filmography and then a newer director maybe that's like um you know only has a couple of films uh because I think it's kind of fun to go back and forth
2: yeah because like I said I I actually would really like to do um Emerald Fennel but again I mean Mm -hmm. yeah she has two she has two movies who knows maybe by the time uh, we get another few seasons into our belt. Mm-hmm. She'll have she'll have her third yeah. one out. But it, 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 I feel like it
1: did it take a while to get from promising young woman to that was twenty twenty. So not that long. Oh wow, yeah, it was only
2: uh, three ish years. That's okay. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, when you uh, take into account production, less than three years.
2: I, I am still so pissed that. Uh, that salt did not get well for one it got zero nominations but at the very least it didn't get
1: cinematography because that was surprising to i i it's weird i really feel like 2023 wasn't important and and a lot of film people were like oh fuck you barbie made a lot of money so it doesn't matter but you know i feel like overall you know uh, not a lot of people talked about how sophia coppola wasn't nominated either there were a lot of women making a huge impact in film and not seeing the awards for it um, or even nominations and the, the accolades that you would expect Mm -hmm. um, to come when it's a wildly successful year for a lot of female filmmakers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) I also,
1: (laughs) I also think going from Quentin Tarantino to a every Every story that Greta has told so far is about women and for women in different ways. So I feel like that's a really nice not to say that Quentin, you know, Quentin's films can't be enjoyed by women. I'm a woman. I like them. But like they his filmmaking and like him being a favorite is often associated with guys. So I think it's just kind of fun to like, you know, explore a a female filmography.
2: Which is kind of crazy because aside from maybe um, probably Reservoir Dogs, almost every single one of his movies has a very uh, strong and interesting female character, whether a lead or not a lead. Um, You know, obviously Jackie Brown and um, uh, uh, Mia Wallace, um, Mm -hmm. The Bride. Yeah. uh, You know, even Jennifer Jason Leigh's character. um, Yeah. You know, like, so, and, and, you know again that's not to say he doesn't he actually i mean he writes women very well but it's also uh, more often than not set in a very like hyper realistic uh way or world mm-hmm. so so you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt but again it, he at least never writes them in a uh in a very demeaning way or or anything like that in a condescending way yeah so so you know but again like you said yeah quentin's fan base is probably 75% male if not like 80 <laughs> yeah. or 85% yeah <laughs> so so yeah it's 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 it may seem like a kind of a big dynamic change but mm-hmm. um i think it's I th- yeah it's it's a good choice it's a, it's it's the next logical move I yeah like, so. yeah
1: i think it's i think it's fun
2: um we will be doing um a bonus episode <laughs> mm-hmm. in between this and that um we should we save that for a little surprise
1: yeah we can just make that a surprise you'll find okay. out when
2: we post it yeah yeah which again you're not gonna be waiting forever it'll be it'll be in a few a couple yeah, weeks but yeah. um yeah that one I'm really excited for because that's that's a movie I've never really got to talk uh, yeah like and not, I've never uh, seen it you've never seen it and um I rewatched it again fairly recently and I was like son of a like just god damn it this movie is it's, good <laughs> it's
1: been on my list for years and I just haven't gotten around to it so I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're gonna be covering that as a little fun in between it, episode yeah
2: it is it is Quentin related so um yeah
1: too that's much of a hint. Up. Beep that out. No, I'm just kidding. I that's know. Fine.
2: I was gonna say that's, that's all you're that's all you're getting. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So all right. Well Yeah. Thank Thanks for, for joining us, everybody.
2: Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for season two. This isn't is gonna be yep. fun.
1: So please uh rate, review, and subscribe. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. That's pretty much the only social media we use. Um, if mm-hmm. you want to get in touch with us and tell your friends, we appreciate your support as we come to an end of season one.
2: Yes. Season finale already. It's
1: crazy. I know. So <laughs> we will see you in the bonus episode. And if you don't listen to the bonus episode, for whatever reason, we will see you in season two. Bye, everyone.